Welcome to the Hook and Hunt Experience with hunting and fishing expert and host of Hook and Hunt TV, Jim Crowley, and radio host and outdoorsman, Drew Kirby. On today's show, we'll cover fishing, hunting, outdoor adventures, wild game recipes, and so much more. Brought to you by Ned's Pretty Good Garage Bait and Tackle, home of the $8.99 oil change. If you have questions, comments, or want to offer up some suggestions, reach out on Facebook at Hook and Hunt Experience. And now, here's Jim Crowley and your host, Drew Kirby. It's another 35 to 40 minutes of you to veg out and uh, sit back and talk fishing, hunting, outdoors, and maybe even some sort of recipes throughout the next couple of, uh, of minutes. So we do appreciate you coming back. And remember that if you're uh, listening to us on SoundCloud, you can also go download us and subscribe to our uh, podcast on Google and on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just look for Hook Nut Experience. Jim Crowley, how are you? I'm I'm doing great, buddy. I it's nice that you tell everybody, you know, the things that could happen on the show because we don't know yet. Yeah, so, yeah. We, you know, we'll stumble upon something, I'm sure. We'll 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 figure something out. We we're glad you got all joined us today. We are going to have a fun show. It's going to be interesting and if you're into electronics whatsoever, you better sit down, get that cup of coffee because we have got one of the great guys from Hummingbird, Bill Carson, on with us, and he is going to blow your mind what he's going to tell you. Uh, my dad and I have been talking for for probably six or eight months. Uh, he and his buddy love to go fishing, and they have this new technology that uh, that they have uh, embedded into their, their boats, and it's the, the 3D imaging. And it is absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't heard about it, stick around because we will talk to Bill Carson in just a, a few minutes from Humminbird. Jim, during the spring and summer, you're a fisherman. In the fall, you drop your, your rod and reel and you pick up a, a shotgun and you're a duck hunter. And through and through, and a goose hunter, you've been doing this for many, many, many years. Uh, we're into June now and mm -hmm. dove hunting's coming in September and, you know, duck and, and goose further along. What are you doing at this point to prepare yourself for the season? We've been shooting clays a lot, um, going out with groups of, you know, two or three guys at a time. Last Friday we went out. Um, I really enjoy the challenge of sporting clays. I've, I've shot trap. I love to shoot skeet as well, but I really love sporting clays. And the thing is, is because there are a lot of instances where it's reactive shooting, where a target presentation comes up that you haven't seen before and you have to react. And we are all better at reacting to a shot instead of thinking about it and taking it when it comes to moving targets. For some people don't know this, um, when it comes to shooting a rifle or a pistol, you close one eye and you aim. You aim at that object. When you're shooting a shotgun, you're not aiming, you're pointing. And the best way I can explain it is if you've got a crossing target, if you're a quarterback, you're not going to throw the football where the receiver is. You're going to throw the football where the receiver is going to be. And that's the same thing with a shotgun. You're not shooting at the target. You shoot where it's going to be, and the target actually runs into your shot stream. So this time of year, we're practicing on longer shots, um, going to some different courses, just seeing stuff we haven't seen before, and having a good time. But it really tunes you up, because you've heard me say this for years. When it comes to duck and goose season, I really try to pride myself on being an ethical hunter as one shot, one kill. You know, right. I want to do that right. for myself, and I also owe that respect to the animal that I'm going to take home and eat. So this is a time of year that, that we really work on that. You, uh, you mentioned a couple of different options. Uh, there's sporting clays, and there's trap, and there's skeet. 
Uh, explain the difference between those, because I know that, that a lot of people are like, oh, it's all the same, but it's really not. Okay. It's not. It's not at all. Um, trap would be there's there's five stations right next to one another and they start at 16 yards and then they go back on different increments depending on how good you are, what your handicap is. But if you're just shooting at 16 yards, that 16 yards is from the trap house. What it is, it's a square box. Um, with the with the clay throwers underneath it they always come out from the same place you know where they're going to come but they come at different angles and it's intermittently so every time you move over a spot then the angle of where those targets come out changes okay and it's a game of 25 when it comes to skeet skeet has what we call a high house and a low house the targets always come from the same places. The skeet field is built of eight stations on a semicircle, and that's a game of 25 as well. Sporting clays, the old saying is it's like playing golf with a shotgun. And so you go to different holes or different um, or different stations. So it may be one through 10, 10 shots at each. It just depends. You can have 11 stations and some of the targets only have eight shots. But then what you go, you get to see a target presentation, and then the next one, the next station that you go to is gonna be a completely different target presentation. So it challenges you of how you're going to look at the background. You're going to see where the targets are. You're going to try to figure out when you're going to take them. And then sometimes two come out at the same time. Sometimes they're on report, which means when you pull the trigger, bang, then the next target gets thrown. It just depends on the course and where you're at. So it's quite challenging. A lot of fun. And it, it does. It gets you ready for bird season, whether it's dove season in yep. September or it's duck and goose season a little later on. And that's one of the great parts uh, about this is you need to be gearing up because it's really not something you can just go out and pick up where you left off. You're going to be rusty when you first go out there. The first sporting clays get together that we do every year. It's embarrassing. It's, you know, it's, it's actually funny. I'm like, that's when I get to break out all my excuses, but because by the second or third time out, if I'm missing, I'm just running out of excuses, man. I'm just flat out missing, you know, cause the, the gun's been down for probably three months, you know, or four months. And so you pick it back up and every miss that you do will always come back to basics. There's nothing new, nothing fancy. You screwed up on the same thing. I'm notorious for it. And so you, but the more you do it, the more that muscle memory comes back and your scores usually start going higher. Before you go out and shoot trap, is there anything you do to try to get yourself back into the, the rhythm? There is. Yeah. There, there's an old exercise that an old sporting clays instructor taught me years ago um, where you, you stand looking at the mirror and then you raise the gun, you raise the gun up or you mount the gun. And when you mount the gun, if your left eye or your right eye dominant, I'm left-handed, I'm left eye dominant. So when the gun comes up, I am looking at the mirror to see if the gun levels up straight and I am focusing on my left eye in the mirror. What that does, it keeps my gun coming up straight. I want my gun coming up straight because my shot will go where I look when I pull the trigger. On a right-hand crossing target, if it goes from left to right, I need to be in front of that target looking at the leading edge and shooting in front of that. If I happen to look at the target, this sounds funny, chances are I'll shoot behind it. The gun will stop. And when a gun stops at split second, you will shoot behind it. So what I'm doing is now I'm practicing getting that muscle me memory of the gun coming to my face. One less thing I got to think about. Now all I'm focusing on is looking at where I should shoot to hit that target. You, you've always had a saying. Do you remember what this saying is? Yeah, head on a gun, eye on a target. As long as I've known you, that's what you've always said is is head on the gun, eye on the target. And that's and that's exactly right. 
It is because if your head's not on a gun, if your head even comes off the gun a little bit, then you're not looking down the barrel at the gun. You're just looking to see if you broke the target. You will probably miss. In just a minute, Bill will be here from Humminbird. It's going to be a great, great conversation about the latest technology. Go, don't go anywhere. This week's Hook and Hunt Experience guest star is brought to you by Hook and Hunt TV, where our slogan is God made me a fisherman and a hunter. I'm proud of both and apologize to no one. Watch the latest episode at hookandhunttv.com. Back into Hook and Hunt Experience. And Jim, I have to uh, first off make sure that we're saying this correctly. I want people to know that it's Humminbird. Not yeah. Hummingbird, it's Humminbird. Not hum, no. Right, We're there's no G in there. I want to make sure no. that people know that. Right, we're not talking about bigger flying mosquitoes. We're not doing that. We're talking <laughs> about Humminbird electronics. Exactly, which have changed the way that uh, fishermen fish. They've, it's changed everything, and I'm happy to bring on the show today Bill Carson, who's a field marketing manager for Saltwater as well as the Collegiate Fishing Program. Bill, welcome to Hook and Hunt Experience. Glad to be here, guys. I, I don't know how long I've run Hummingbird. It's been a really long time, and I just got a new Helix 9, but I've got a Helix 7 in-dash. I've had them from years ago when I fished tournaments to, to now that I do Hook and Hunt TV, my show. Spotlock, which changed everything. Your talons, which changed everything. The down imaging, there is so much to talk about. There'd be no way to get everything in and on the show. But I do want to talk about that down imaging because that has been absolutely incredible. And the 360 jumped it up a huge step, didn't it? It does. And, I, you know, honestly, when you really look at it, the, uh, the, the Humminbird came on the scene in uh, 2005 with side imaging. Uh, nobody had ever seen anything like that if you weren't in the Navy um, and uh, where it was being utilized on tow rays to be able to see, you know, something that was trying to attack the fleet uh, from the Navy standpoint. And so Johnson Outdoors kind of um, brought to the, to the scene the opportunity to have side imaging for recreational fishing and make it available to the anglers with the advent of the 997. And then from there, we went into uh, down imaging. Um, and for those that are not accustomed to utilizing either one of those, they just don't really have a clue what they're missing because just looking at 2D sonar, you can't tell what it is that you're looking at. And whenever you add into it, down imaging, side imaging, or both, you now have the opportunity to have an almost positive ID of what it is that you're looking at, whether it's fish, you know, in terms of being able to see their dorsal fins and the whole silhouette of the fish. It's just absolutely incredible what it reveals uh, to an angler and gives the angler the opportunity to have success because they now can go catching instead of just fishing in a higher percentage of the opportunities. That's what I, I was going to say is that it, it really has changed the game. You're almost guaranteed to at least see where the fish are going to be if you're going out uh, fishing. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. So you think about it from a bass fisherman's uh, perspective or a crappie guy or those guys are used to going in and what they're doing is they're either looking for schools of bait, schools of fish, or they're looking for the structure that's going to hold that school of fish, brush piles or what have you. Uh, in my world, which is a saltwater world, it's a lot different. So when you figure, you know, or take into consideration that the majority of the um, saltwater guys are fishing in 100 feet or less of water, 
um, near shore, which is typically going to be state waters or inside the EEZ if you're on the Atlantic side, then now I have a barge or a ship or whatever it is that's lying on the bottom with side imaging. I don't just see the relief from it like I do with 2D sonar or like I do with DI. I can literally see that object and see how it's lying there. And I can mark all four corners of the object and then I can sit still and watch my GPS and watch how my boat moves based on wind and current so I know exactly where to drop my bait to because those fish are always going to be in that eddy. They're going to be on the lee side of the current you know, for that vessel, and this is going to allow me to drop my bait right down onto it and know exactly where it is, and that's a very powerful thing for those who learn how to utilize it. My first episode with, with down imaging, so I get this on one of the boats several years ago that I had, and I pull up to a lake that I have fished forever. I'm going down the dam, and I see a brush pile. I don't see a lump in the water. I'm counting the branches on this thing. I dropped the Ned rig down there. I caught three crappies, two walleyes, and three largemouth off the same brush pile, put it on spot lock, and just sat there and watched and catch those fish. And I went, where was this in the late 90s when I was fishing tournaments, man? This was, it blew my mind. And I'm like, the, the, think about this, folks. The, the technology is so incredible that Humminbird is done. You can pay $700 for a television screen right now. And you look at probably on some of the bigger graphs, a nine inch screen, a couple thousand dollars for it. I'd rather pay the couple thousand dollars for the nine inch screen because I'm having a heck of a lot more fun when I'm watching. I can yeah, see it's great. I mean, you know, everything. We, 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 people don't realize that when they're looking at 2D, I mean, I see people walk up to the counter and they look at a side imaging in simulator mode and they start tilting their head this <laughs> way and then they start tilting their head this way and they just like can't grasp, you know, what it is. For those people that are listening on this show, if you'll take a, a, a catalog or a book, it doesn't matter what it is, and just grab some pages in the middle of it and hold it and let the, the cover and the front cover and the back cover and whatever other pages just kind of hang there. And you think about your fingers being the vessel or the boat that's up on the surface. And you think about the page that you're holding it by being the water column and the pages to the, to the left, you know, or port and right starboard side of the boat being what you're seeing out to that left and right side of the boat, that's going to kind of help you gas, uh, grasp what side imaging is doing. To understand how that works, if you're in 30 feet of water with 2D sonar, you're only seeing a third of the distance to the bottom at the bottom. So I'm seeing 10-foot circle of bottom at the bottom in general terms because it's a most all units are utilizing a 20-degree cone angle on their 2D uh, sonar. You go to side imaging in that same 30 feet of water and you look at 90 or 100 feet on the port and starboard side of the boat and now I have the opportunity. So let's say it's 90 feet. I'm looking at 180 feet of coverage instead of looking at 10 feet of coverage and I can see that school of fish. I can see, you know, whatever it is. So, so, you're, so you're predominantly a bass fisherman, am I, am I correct? In That's mostly what we fish for, yeah. So think about this. You're also familiar with another product that came out that you really mentioned that is one of the most powerful products that I've ever seen, and that's Lake Master. And so right. with Lake Master, if you look at a larger lake, especially in the southern part of the United States, those lakes are man-made and they're typically going to be fairly deep, meaning they're going to be anywhere from like 70 or 80 feet deep to as much as 150 or more in terms of depth. 
And those same lakes are going to set up a thermocline. And those fish are going to stay where that thermocline is, number one. Number two, when they build that lake, it's typically built by U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And so what the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers does is they clean up from what's called the zero line or the shore down to the 100-year drought line. And that's typically in most lakes going to be somewhere around 35 to 40 feet, which ironically enough is typically where the thermocline sits up. Okay. So if I were a bass fisherman and I was new to a lake and I didn't build any of those brush piles that technically you're supposed to have a permit for in a US <laughs> lake, um, then what I would do is I would go in and highlight 30 feet as an example or 35 feet as an example. And then instead of looking at both sides, left and right side on my side imaging, I would only look at the side to the shore. And what I would do is I would follow that 30-foot contour or 35-foot contour, and I would look toward the shore. And every time I saw something that was big enough to make a shadow, I would move my cursor over to that. Or if I'm using the I would just touch and hold my finger on it and set a waypoint. And then after I had gone down this particular shore for a ways, um, then what I would do is I would go back and ride over the top of those brush piles very slowly with my trolling motor and use my, what you started this out with, my down imaging and my 2D sonar split screen by screen and look at both the 2D version and the DI version and look into that brush pile and see if there were any fish in that brush pile. And that's going to tell me where I want to go fish. Wow. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great technique to use to dissect an area of a lake. So if I know where the bait is, if it's a temperature that's going to make that key to whatever the area is that I'm going to go look in, and then I utilize the technique that I just described to you, I promise you, you're going to catch more fish. I, technology. I, I, it's a, it's amazing to think uh, how that the, the leaps and bounds have been from say in the sixties and seventies when, you know, there wasn't much on the market and now it's you're, you're, top of the line at this point. So now take it to the next step, something that was brought up at the beginning of this conversation, and that's 360. Not just any 360, but mega 360. So you take those mega capabilities and you put them into what is basically a round transducer that spins around like a radar, and you utilize your spot lock on your boat to set still and be able to continually look at that brush pile or look at that 10 degree increment or whatever it is. If there are fish that are on a bed, I can literally turn my M360 on and I can set still and I can watch those beds and I can see which bed has a female on it. And I can see when the male comes in to protect the bed and utilize that to target my cast to be able to catch that particular fish. Or if it's tarpon, I can do the same thing. My tarpon guys sit out there and they sit still with the M360 on a universal bracket and they watch those tarpon because historically what they're doing is they're watching for the tarpon or the snook, tarpon specifically, to come up on the surface and show themselves and they utilize that place as where they're going to cast that. Now, with M360, they can see which way that school is moving and they can literally follow that school casting into it until they hook up and they have to take that 30 or 45 minutes to land that <laughs> of a fish. It's incredible technology. You mentioned looking at your TV and having that on your boat to be able to find exactly where the fish are 
is just blowing my mind. Think about it like this. So if I'm going to a little bitty pond, and even if that pond is 30 feet deep, which is the example I used before, and I wanted to canvas that 30-foot pond, I've got to drive around to where I've got that coverage of 10 feet at the bottom, and I've covered that whole pond to be able to look at the whole pond, that I can mark brush piles and do whatever I want to yep. do. Or if it's small enough that I can make two or three passes with side imaging and look, at the entire pond, I can mark all the structure in the pond and I can even take it a step farther. So I talked about leg master. I'm not gonna have leg master for that little pond, but I can turn on my auto chart live mm -hmm. and stick a zero line SD card in it. And I can now create cartography for my little bitty pond. And what the units, what all these technologies do is they allow me to go catching more of the time because in that little bitty pond, I know that there's a biomass of fish in that little bitty pond that I've just got to figure out where they are in that little bitty pond to catch them. And because it's a little bitty pond, it's not an, an unsurmountable deal to go do that. But if I'm in a big lake or if I'm in the ocean, it's a big deal. I've got to find those fish so that I can catch those fish. Once I've found them, I got to figure out what it is they want to bite in the pond. I just keep changing baits until I get bit. Right, Bill. I so much information that you gave us today. And just for people who don't know, what is the easiest way that people can get in the hummingbird and check out all this stuff? Because there are more products there now than I've ever seen. Well, you can go. You can go to hummingbird.com and you can uh, bounce around and look at the product. If you wanna, if you wanna follow us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We have a hummingbird Facebook page. There's a lot of information that gets shared out there. There's a lot of education that gets shared out there. If you've just bought a unit and you want to learn how to operate it because you don't feel like you operate it well enough, then you can go to YouTube and you can subscribe to Hummingbird TV. There, are a, there's a plethora of videos that are great videos. How to do everything on it. And so there is an app that's out there that's called Fish Smart, and you can load that app onto your mobile okay. device. And you can connect it to your unit via Bluetooth. And instead of you calling customer service, instead of you figuring out what your serial number is, instead of you knowing what all's on your network, once you connect this to this your phone to your unit Bluetooth or your network on your what your one button network on your boat, then it mines all of the information: serial number, MAC addresses, IP addresses, um, what software versions you're running on everything on your boat. And if you need someone to call you back, you see that little tab at the bottom? <laughs> That's it's fantastic. Call back. So when that customer service person calls you back, Jim, they know what's on your network. They know what your serial number is. They know what year and month your and day your unit was built. They know everything about your network. So they're already in a position to be able to solve your need on the phone right there and then instead of you having to wait for them to call you back so, because, so you can give them some additional information. Great tip. Not only is that awesome, but my smartphone's a heck of a lot smarter than me, and my electronics are way, <laughs> way smarter than me. Bill, you talked about you also work with uh, uh, school and, and uh, team fishing for schools, right? Uh, for, for college. So we, we support uh, college fishing as it relates to BASS. Mm -hmm. uh, we sponsor uh, BASS as a whole. Uh, we sponsor the elites. We do a lot of stuff with BASS. And so seven years ago, BASS started a college program, and uh, we support that college program. Those anglers that are fishing college, 
that's the next generation of fishermen. Those are the guys that are going to want to fish, you know, uh, in, in three, four five years, maybe on uh, the opens or maybe the, maybe they're good and they make the elites, whatever it is, they have a passion for fishing. And since we are a company that love the outdoors in all forms and facets, I mean, you may not know this, but Johnson Outdoors is a very large publicly traded mm -hmm. We own Old Town and Ocean Kayaks and Canoes. We own yep. Jet Boil. We own Eureka, which makes tents and chairs. We own Scuba Pro, which makes diving equipment. And then, of course, Humminbird, uh, Cannon, and Minkota. So we're all about the outdoors, and we want to support the future of outdoors because that is one of the greatest heritages that we have uh, that we can still enjoy today. Yet another reason why I'm proud to own the hummingbird products that I do, and I'm going to be having more. I think I'm on my third Lake Master chip right now. I'm filling in all the Midwest, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this summer. We're going to be doing some shows specifically with those Lake Master um, SD cards. I can't wait. It's it's going to be a blast. You guys have made fishing not only more fun and more interesting and more educational. But once we learn all those products, it definitely makes it more productive. Bill, I really want to thank you for your time. This was absolutely, my head hurts. There's so much information that you gave us today. And I absolutely, I absolutely love it. It's my passion. I know Drew loves the fish. But the more that we can tell people about this stuff and what is available out there, the better it's going to be for all of us. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Love, love to teach people things about fishing. It's not just about our products. It's about fishing. It's a way of life. It's a passion. It's the greatest sport in the world, dude, and I love sharing it with everybody that'll listen. That's awesome. If you knew nothing else about Humminbird other than what you just heard, it'd be worth it uh, for me to go spend the money and, uh, and make sure that I'm on that team too. So, Bill, we appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds great, guys. Take care and uh, keep that line stretched tight. Here's your hook and hunt experience look back with the Moxie Dog Treats Outdoor History Minute. Well, Jim, you know, we just had a great conversation with Bill Carson from Humminbird, and that got me to thinking, how long has the fish finder been around? And and looking back, it, it's so crazy to think how far along we are when it comes to this technology and how far we've come, because there's some really old school type of fish finders. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it literally now it changes every day. It's absolutely insane. I mean, if you, I can remember my grandfather having a fish finder and it looking like uh, more of a, a little plank than anything it's else. It's like the old version of Pong. Yeah. I, it, it's just so crazy. Now, of course, uh, the idea of this came from major ships and, and everything. Sure. The sonar is, is basically uh, how it was brought about for the, the consumer. And so it's really kind of interesting. Do you, can you remember back your first fish finder? I don't remember the brand, but it was a flasher. It was just, you know, just a flasher. And all we were, you know, we were thrilled when we could find the depth, you know, like, hey, there's a depth change right there. So, you know, we got to try that. And I, re I remember that. I remember still when some of the bigger graphs came out, I always wanted a flasher running in dash because they were always more accurate when I'm running down the lake. And now, geez, I can just lay the whole map out in front of me on my screen and just look it's it's just it's it's still it just blows me away it really is interesting but and then uh, of course if you go and, and check out humminbird.com 
you're going to figure out a lot of great uh, information, and we encourage you to do that. And go look for history of the things that uh, that that brought us to where we are. In the outdoor world, there's always something new, and here's a hook and hunt experience product review presented by Crowley's Crawlers, the plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. I'm never going to recommend anything that that I haven't used before, that I haven't tried. I'm just very particular um, that way. In the last couple seasons, I've been using new eyewear, and it's made by a company called Fish419. If you look at fish419.com, you'll see excellent quality eyewear, um, and they make them both for fishing as well as the shooting sports. Actually, my signature series shooting glasses are on there called the Crowley Clay Crushers, and they are exactly what I wanted in shooting glasses. Very light, solid frame, um, clear field of vision, uh, come in both an amber uh, color and a yellow color. Very affordable, which I also wanted and very lightweight. And what I really like about their eyewear is I don't have any back glare from the glasses. And I don't like when the sun's behind me and I get a reflection off the inside of my lenses. And these don't do that. And they make them in a very good reflective scratch resistant coating. And there's numerous colors that they make them in. I like the blue and I especially like the green. Both of those are a lot easier on my eyes. Um, I don't have any fatigue after a long day on the water. And if you're looking for a new pair of eyewear or you're looking for something affordable, like $39.99, that's what they are. And they come with a hard case, plus a cleaning towel. Very hard to find that in a market for quality pair today. Plus I'll give you this. If you use the code THANKSJC, that's T-H-A-N-K-S-J-C, you will get an additional 10% off. And that's anything you order from fish419.com. So use that code, thanks JC. If you want a quality eyewear that's not gonna break the bank, use what I use, that's fish419. TV.com has been educating and entertaining the world of hunting and fishing for years. Let's find out about the latest from Hook and Hunt TV's Jim Crowley on the Hook and Hunt Experience. Well, Jim Crowley, you have been a busy little beaver uh, doing some fishing, doing some uh, live shows, some Facebook live shows, uh, you've been doing a little traveling to uh, to fish, and uh, your show on Tuesday night was a Facebook Live show. Yeah, it was, and, and we did. We tried to cover everything we could about fishing an artificial frog. Um, I love fishing frogs this time of year. Uh, I've done extremely well on them over the years. I've actually given seminars on frog fishing because uh, the number one thing mo- that happens with most people is when they blow up, they jerk the frog out of the <laughs> out of the fish's mouth, out of the water, and it comes flying back at them. Um, so we go over. We went over that some uh, some of that on the show, and we talked about walking frogs. We talked about popping frogs, and then we talked about swimming frogs. And there's actually a difference between the three of them so we showed how to rig them we showed how to work them we talked about why uh you miss a fish on a frog and how you can be more successful with the line with the rod everything we went over the whole setup tonight and it was a lot of fun but i think it answered a lot of questions for people and showed them why and how i use the frogs in different scenarios is there one in particular that you enjoy the most yeah i really i really like the popping frog um and it's a uh, it's got a Popping frog I'm using made by a company, Terminator, and it's got a concave mouth. So you would pop it like a popper, um, but you can throw it all over lily pads and things like that. But where I really like the popping frog is when I've got submerged grass or grass that's not real thick. And I can pull that frog through and that popping noise is is actually can be heard extremely well underwater. It calls fish to the surface or it lets them know where it's at. So if they're in thick grass 
or pretty thick grass below the surface, I can call them off from a long distance with that sound where the walking frog is more silent. It's heavier. And so when they're in thick matted grass on the surface, I use the walking frog to kind of move on that grass and they, they can feel that frog come over the grass where the popper would just get caught up in the grass so but the popper is fun because this, the strikes are explosive and a lot of times if the water's clear you can see them coming for it so you know here they come and you're sitting there you let them get close and just pop it a little bit and it looks like somebody dropped a bowling ball in the water it's just fun man i just i really love it get over and check out hooking on tv on facebook go to hookingontv.com check out the displays that jim puts up and and the instruction and it's really good, and you'll really enjoy it, especially if maybe you're having a rough time this spring. Uh, we're ready for summer, and Crowley will get you all covered. Get over and check it out. HookandHuntTV.com. Here's the latest Hook and Hunt experience hunting and fishing scouting report. Brought to you by the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. The Tackle Box Bar and Grill, downtown Fish Creek, Wisconsin. All right, so you may be... Uh, Thinking about the frog you're going to go get after you watch uh, Jim's episode of uh, some tips there, and you're going to run right to the the outdoor store and grab a new frog, and maybe a popping frog, or maybe a slimy frog. Or <laughs> it's funny we talk about that, but it's really right on tap of what we're talking about here with our fishing trends because we're to the point of the year the spawn is over and we've moved on. Yeah, these fish are definitely in their summer pattern right now. Some places in the country, they're they're post-spawn. Maybe far north, they've still got, you know, the spawn um, in some cases. But as you move to the Midwest and to the south, yeah, they're, they're done spawning. I saw water temperatures, you know, last week, 70-something um, degrees. I was actually in a power plant lake where last week where it was 85 degrees. So yeah, these fish are out in their summer patterns. You can always catch some fish shallow, but some of the reservoirs that are void of a lot of cover that's up on the bank, these fish are going to move off. They're going to move off into deeper water. They're going to move off to points where they have creek channels that are close or adjoining to them. On some reservoirs where you got a lot of boat docks close to deep water, those fish are going to get up around those. So you got to start looking different places. I mean, you can go back to the coves where you caught them in the spring and you may catch some small fish there, but the majority of the fish are just not going to be there. It's it's their time to move. They follow the bait. That's why it was so great that I talked to, to Bill Carson from Humminbird is because with a lot of electronics now, you can see where the bait is. Where before you were just looking for dimples on the surface, fishing is almost always about one thing. And I say it three times, food, food, and food. They're going to follow those shad. They're going to follow those bluegills. I'm, I'm fishing a lake uh, this week where the bluegill spawn is going to be on. We go there this time every year. So there'll be bluegills running in and out of these weed lines. I'll be fishing on top of those matted grass as well on the edge of those weed lines with lures that I use the best I can to represent bluegills. And if it's anything like last year, I'm in for some sore ribs and a couple sore thumbs from landing fish. <laughs> that once when they're on, those, on that bluegill bite, it's an incredible bite. They kill anything that comes close to them. Does it just bother you to death if you happen to catch a bluegill? No, no, I love catching bluegills. If it's big enough, he's you know, I can get a bunch of them. That's what uh, some friends of mine were doing last week. Um, just because right now the bluegills are just on the beds or coming off the beds, so that's why those bass are stacking up on them. If you can get a mess of bluegills like that, there ain't a finer eating fish, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> the Hook and Hunt Experience wants you to live well from the live well. Here's your old buddy, Stinkbait Rivers. <laughs> Show buddy Sticky and with some tips for you to live well from the live well on this week's edition of the Hook and Hunt Experience. Now, fellas, if you're butt ugly, 
I've got some tips on for how how you can pick up some chicks. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing you do is just go out and get a bunch of tattoos. It doesn't have to be anything specific. Just a bunch of tattoos. That's going to help you out. I, I don't know why, but it just helps you out. The second thing is, get yourself a haircut. I mean, get a nice style, a little fade. You know, something kind of progressive or something. Look, look, look the hipster part. The third thing is, um, after you get the haircut... Uh, put on a hat and wear some sunglasses. Don't ever take them off. Just just leave them on. Everybody looks better with a hat and sunglasses. And then the fourth thing you can do, fellas, is is grow a beard. Yep, just just grow one of those those big full beards and uh, wear one of those plaid shirts. You know that lumberjacks wear. Yeah, man, they'll flock to you. And if they don't, and you're still butt ugly, well, you can always go out and buy yourself a boat. <laughs> Yep, that's how you do it there, gang. Hey, we'll see you next time. Until then, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash stinkbaitrivers. We'll see you. You betcha. <laughs> we can't leave you high and dry. Here are some words of wisdom in the last cast with Jim Crowley on the Hook and Hunt Experience. There's an old adage in fishing that I learned years and years and years ago, actually from the Linders, and it's a formula. And that formula is F plus L plus P equals success. Very simple when you think about it. Fish plus location plus presentation equals your success. And that is exactly what fishing is. The fish need to be there that you're going after. You have to locate them and you have to be able to present that lure consistently and at the right depth and speed to have continued success. And I know when people when people say, you know, fishing is just a game of luck. I've never believed that. Although you can be lucky, that doesn't happen all the time. When you consistently get lucky, it's because you put yourself in the position to be lucky. There is a lot to that F plus L plus P equals success. Make sure that when you go out fishing next time, there's a reason that 10% of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. It's F plus L plus B equals success. Thanks for stopping by the show. Head over to the Hook and Hunt Experience on Facebook and give us a like and find out more about this week's show. The Hook and Hunt Experience is brought to you by HookandHuntTV.com. Stop by and watch the latest episodes airing now. Moxie Dog Treats. Your dog will love you. And brought to you by Crawley's Crawlers. The plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. And the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. Join us next week for the next episode of the Hook and Hunt Experience.